Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Okay, so just a couple of important updates here. Uh, this is from uh, Ryan Kessler with Global News, who was in the courtroom in Melfort, Saskatchewan, covering all of this. Uh, the judge has now reserved her decision until March 22nd at 10 a.m. That's when we will learn the sentence. Right before that, Sadu himself addressed the court, addressed those in attendance, and specifically addressed the families of the victims and the survivors of the crash, saying, quote, I can't even imagine what you guys are going through or what you have been through. I have taken the most valuable things of your life. I was on the side of the door with the passenger door above me. I came out of the truck and I heard the kids crying. It took me time to see or realize that it was a bus. I take full responsibility for what has happened. It happened because of my lack of experience. So those words uttered just a few minutes ago in the courtroom by Jaskaret Singh Sadhu. Obviously, one of the aspects of this case is that question of trucker safety. Should he have been behind the wheel of that vehicle? Should he have been driving at all that day? We've learned more about not just his lack of experience. He'd been driving for for barely a month. And in the 12 days leading up to that crash, there were 70 federal and provincial logbook violations for which he was never penalized. Now, as others pointed out, look, if he had been stopped... And if there had been an inspection before that crash, he would have been suspended from driving for 72 hours for failing to produce a logbook for that day and for the previous 14 days. It's another way in which this this horrible tragedy could have been avoided. But what are we to make of these logbook violations or these, you know, not going reported? How significant is that? How do we address that? Do we need, says some have called for, an electronic logging system? Well, someone who specializes in this area and reached out to us earlier today with some interesting thoughts on all of this. Uh, his name is uh, Daryl Lowe. He's an owner-operator uh, with uh, Safety Check uh, Consulting, safetycheckconsulting.com. <laughs> Daryl, thanks so much for making some time for us here. Welcome to the program. Thank you very much, sir. And there's an interesting connection uh, in all of this. Uh, you actually once owned the ambulance service in Humboldt, didn't you? I did. I owned the ambulance service in Humboldt in uh, 84 until 92. And during that time, I was volunteered at times for as trainer for the Humboldt Broncos. Wow. So you have some unique insights, I guess, on, on the industry side of all of this and, and the concerns that have been raised about these logbook violations what do you feel is is getting lost in in all of this? Well, in, in the email that I sent to you, and and why not? Some of this is is uh, we've got to look at the industry itself, and uh, I am in absolutely no way going to defend the driver. The driver made decisions, and the courts will deal with how they're going to uh, going to react with those decisions. But some of the things that were forcing those decisions. Um, I think we have to consider um, there's a thing that people don't want to talk about much. It's called forced dispatch. I don't know if this is a case that that happened here, but it does happen to drivers. Um, I've It's happened to me personally driving a vehicle for a, a company up in the Grand Prairie area, and uh, they told me finish the driver or my job was done. Um, <coughs> and uh, it's happened to family members as, as well. 
So there's there's a lot of that to consider. Um, and I don't know if that had a play in what happened here, but uh, I think it, it, it's got to be a wake-up call for any drivers out there to see that if they're not standing up to their bosses, if they're not standing up to these companies that are forced dispatching, it's going to come down on them. For people that don't understand the role that these these logs play, what, what are these log books there for? Why is it important that the drivers are filling them out? Transport Canada has, an, and uh, the, the NSC has uh, regulations saying how many hours in a day you can drive. And uh, these log books log those hours, and it logs your brakes and, and so on and so forth. Uh, it varies from province to province. There's uh, a number, and there's uh, there's more people who are are far more expert on this than I am. But uh, basically, this tells any inspector how long you've been driving and and uh, um, you know whether you've gone over those limits, over those fatigue limits, mm-hmm. which is pretty important, right? I mean, we don't want drivers being fatigued, especially when they're driving these these large vehicles. Yes, you're absolutely right. And now, the one thing I should mention here is, is, and I'm not trying, as I said, I'm not trying to defend the driver at all, mm-hmm. uh, considering my background with this. Um, but when we say there's 70 logbook violations, well, these could be something, things as simple as putting the date in the wrong spot. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the seven, the, the downstroke of a seven moving across into another box, um, those things happen, and those things are counted as violations at times. Um, but, <laughs> excuse me, out of breath. Um, but what happens is is each company is supposed to audit those themselves, and, and I've been involved in logbook audits. When you find these mistakes, you're supposed to train your drivers further. Sometimes that's not happening. And a lot of this then, I mean, again, as you say, the, the driver's responsible for this. Obviously, he's pleaded guilty to these charges, but you know, we need to hold, to com- we need to hold these companies uh, accountable, we need to hold the industry accountable then, don't we? Yes, yes, absolutely. It's, uh, uh, it's got to be a shared responsibility. Some have called then for electronic logging devices to be mandatory. What do you think of that? I think it's a terrific idea. I, yeah. I've uh, I've worked with drivers in the past who swear by them, and uh, and uh, you know one driver I talked to, I said, well, "What is it you like about these?" And he said, "CYA, it covers his yeah. butt." Yeah. Well, yeah, that's just it, and it's I, I assume a lot easier to keep track of all of this too. It's a lot easier to keep track of it. A lot of it's done automatically for them, mm-hmm. and uh, and so on and so forth, and the mistakes aren't made. You know the 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 mistakes of you know making a one look like a seven or making a yeah. uh, you know inverting your six and turning it into a nine and and uh, when you're when you're counting hours, you know those six to a nine those three minutes could cause a violation. I mean, you know, big picture, Dale. I mean, it's it's really unfortunate that it takes something horrific like this to to force yes. these changes. But do you think now that we're really likely to see some significant change? I think so, um, and well, I've, I've already seen it. I've, yeah. uh, as part of my job, I, I, I work with transportation companies, and, and uh, in order to understand them better, I started last fall. I started taking my uh, my truck driver training, uh, my driver's license, and, and just to understand the job better. Um, 
and even now they're saying that you know there's going to be more training involved and and so on and so forth so um going up to 100 hours of training as opposed to i believe it was 20 or or something Mm -hmm. is going to be a significant difference uh but it's going to depend on what the curriculum of that training is. You know, if, it, if it's just going to be driving up and down the road with the same old box on behind you, then they're not going to learn anything more. If it's going to be um, driving down the road with various types of trailers, with various types of trucks, then yes, they're going to be more experienced when they come out of it. All right. Well, some interesting insight there, Daryl. Thanks so much for making some time for us here and appreciate your input on this. Safetycheckconsulting.com. Daryl, thanks again. Thank you very much. Take care. Daryl Lowy, uh, he's um, owner-operator of Safety Check Consulting, and his thoughts on some of these issues around uh, issues around logbooks. And you're going to get a few texts on, on this issue with uh, a common theme here. This from Glenn says, logbooks only tell the truth if you do. A driver can lie on those very easily. This from Jack says, Rob, logbooks are also called the book of lies. Well, this one says, it's not funny now, but I have acquaintances and family who used to talk about how they doctored their logbooks. One even had his wife do it for him. These were not new drivers. I believe electronic logs are absolutely necessary. And they may be coming as a result of all of this. All right, 403-974-8255 is the number. Back with more right after this. 974-8255. This text says, talk about trial by media. My God, it was an accident, not first-degree murder. The real crime in this is the $400,000 families got to ease their peace of mind. What a joke. Uh, Perhaps that's a reference to what happened with the GoFundMe money. I'm not sure. Oh, it's not first-degree murder. It's 16 counts of criminal negligence causing death, 13 counts of criminal negligence causing bodily harm, and 29 guilty pleas. So, no, you cannot just dismiss this as an accident. Otherwise, there would be nothing for him to plead guilty to. Criminal negligence causing death under the Criminal Code of Canada has a maximum sentence of 14 years in jail. Criminal negligence causing bodily harm up to 10 years in jail. These are very serious charges, and we can't lose sight of them. There are other issues, I think, around uh, practices in the industry and specifically practices at this trucking company. And the company needs to answer to all of that. That is proceeding here in Alberta. But these are more in the civil realm than necessarily criminal charges. Let's go to the phones. 974-8255. This is Don. Don, go ahead. Hello. Hello. Yeah, go ahead, Don. Oh, Good. I'm. I'm not sure where to start. I, uh, I had some practice uh, driving big rigs. I also graduated in traffic engineering, and I have. Oh, I listened to you last night on the on Charles uh, program, and I agree with what you were saying last night. So today, it's been. Uh, an analysis, as far as I can see, that nobody has uh, taken the fact that the truck T-boned the bus. Now, if the truck it was going at a uh, particular speed, well, the, the bus, bus the, going at a particular the speed. The bus hit the truck. The, the bus hit the truck? Yeah. Yep. All the news has been the, the, the 
Well, there've been conflicting there've been conflicting versions of that. Uh, it was only once the statement of facts was presented this week uh, at the sentencing hearing that we got uh, formal confirmation that indeed. Uh, the truck blew through the stop sign, came into the intersection, and the bus driver tried to slam on the brakes, but but uh, hit the truck. Ah, uh, well, that makes the whole thing uh, a, a whole different story. But I'm still thinking if if the uh, the truck driver had been a pedophile who turned and blew up a school bus so that the kid on the school bus wouldn't testify against him. People are calling in and asking for uh, a penalty that he should get, not the driver. Uh, Don, okay, I don't, I, I don't follow the logic at all, or the analogy, really, to to any extent. So let's uh, let's move along here. This is Sean. Sean, go ahead. Oh, hey, Rob. Uh, this is a tragedy all around. But one of the thing that I think has to be pointed out is. I'm not one of the parents of the children, and nor are probably any of your listeners. So we can weigh in on our opinions, but at the end of the day, if there's a large percentage of parents that are extending compassion to, to do the truck driver under the circumstances, you know, if they can forgive, I can. And secondly, I'd like to point out that on multiple occasions in my life of driving for 30 years and I drive 80,000 K a day or more. I'm not a professional driver, but I have a lot. I have had a few circumstances where I've ran a red or sorry, a stop sign. And I know of a couple that are out on highways out towards Hannah. You're driving along the road and there's no traffic. And I just didn't catch a stop sign. Luckily for me, I didn't hit a vehicle. And so in this case, I have to exercise some compassion for the driver, recognizing it being just negligent, and hence why he pled guilty. And, and I think what he did was honorable by pleading guilty. And to not put those families through the whole situation. And I think there's a lot of people out there that are driving to this day that have ran a stop sign in their life, ran a red light and realized, oops, you know, and they, luckily nothing happened. They walked away on skates. And I think that's what we're all forgetting is that mistakes can happen. And then in the very rare instance, mistakes can happen that have drastic consequences. Yeah, there's some truth to that, Sean, and I agree. And I, I think deep down, a lot of people kind of fear that. Like, could could I be capable of something like that? Because, sure, people have run stop signs, or maybe, you know, we've done things on the road that made a lane change without looking or made an unsafe turn or any of those kinds of things. Where if there had been a, a bus full of people right next to you, maybe something bad could happen. Right? If nobody else had been on this highway and only this trucker, then he would have just kept going and nobody would have died that day. But again, look, he's, he's facing and pleaded guilty to charges of criminal negligence causing death, not failing to stop for a stop sign. Criminal negligence. And, and that has significant legal meaning. 
He should not have been on the road that day. And we talk about these logbook violations, 70 of them. And as our previous guest said, some of those may be, you know, procedural kind of bureaucratic things. But still, 70 violations. And if he had been caught, he would have been suspended from driving for that reason. If he had gone through a way station that day, he might not have been on the road at the time of the crash. He had only been driving for a few weeks, and he has acknowledged that perhaps he should not have been driving a truck of that size. So there are things that he did that added to what happened, that helped cause what happened. And we can't discount that. As much as I think we all know he didn't intend for any of that to happen, he didn't stop. He was supposed to stop. The stop sign was visible. There was a flashing red light on the stop sign. There were signs warning that a, a stop was coming, that there was an intersection coming. And he didn't even, didn't even hit the brakes. Blew right through it. All right, let's see what uh, Ray has to say. Ray, welcome to the program. Hey, Rob. So uh, for, for me, I drive uh, one of our lighter units in the company that I work for. And we vary from four tons to eight tons, uh, depending on how loaded we are. This driver, uh, not just the four signs that you guys uh, are uh, talking about, there, at that intersection, there's also rumble stripping, which uh, no matter the vehicle, you go over that, you should be feeling it, even in even 80,000 pounds. But uh, so I'm not defending him in any way, shape or form either. Right. He screwed up big time. One mistake was a massive is the, the and this massive tragedy resulted uh one thing that i uh, i do like that's coming out of uh, of this is the fact that uh, at the very least they're looking at standardizing across the entire country the training for trucks of that class in in my company to drive a super b a two trailer unit you have to have a, a minimum of five years clean record and hundreds of thousands, if not all, reaching almost that million kilometer mark to even be considered for that training. Uh, and that's just uh, uh, just my company. Right. Um, well, and there's obviously a reason for that. Well, yeah, because yeah. you're not just now towing uh, uh, sixty thousand. You're to- you're you're hauling uh, eighty, ninety, hundred, hundred twenty thousand pounds. And to counter uh, quickly, the gentleman who said that uh, uh, the truckers are revered down in the states, uh, nope, they are not. <laughs> uh, in the states, multiple different states are removing truck. Uh, overnight parking they are removing uh, the uh, the allowance for a large unit to go and stay on the highway through uh, these smaller towns they are putting toll roads in the way of these larger trucks and the tolls for a large truck is double to triple that of a uh, of a passenger vehicle and uh, also and this also happens up here if you are late to a drop, you get charged a penalty. Some places it's 200, some places it's 400, some places it's 600 per day that you are late or sometimes per half day, half day that you're late. Um, places like Walmart, if you're not there at that particular drop at that the particular time that it states on the paper, you can lose 
all the fu- the fee for that the, you could have charged uh, charged your boss for that load. Very interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that. I appreciate the phone call. Uh, here's something else maybe that hasn't been reported. This is a, a summation of what uh, Sidhu's lawyer presented today. Uh, so just within the last couple of hours, so Sidhu's lawyer was speaking, uh, then Sidhu spoke briefly, and, and the judge adjourned. We'll come back March 22nd with the sentence. Uh, summary here from Global News. Uh, Jaskaret Singh Sidhu was an inexperienced semi-truck driver dealing with navigation difficulties and distracted by a tarp flapping off the back. When he blew through that stop sign and collided with the bus, according to his lawyer. Uh, so this has not come up before, as far as I'm aware. So were comments made earlier today during the sentencing hearing. So he was distracted by the load he was carrying or a tarp that was flapping around or seemed loose. The tarp flapping in the wind proved to be a complete distraction for his force to do, who had stopped to adjust the tarp shortly before the crash. So there were other things going on here. But that was something else that, that added to his problems and helped cause that distraction. All right, so March 22nd, as mentioned, is when that sentence is going to come down. 974-8255 is our number after the news at 1.30. We'll talk a bit more about the Supreme Court decision today concerning abandoned wells and who's responsible for paying for the cleanup. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 12.30 on News Talk 770 Calgary. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season 6 of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.